Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Started Up Podcast. Got a good one for you today is Jeremy Brown from Nameless Catering. And while this was somewhat of a local conversation to Indianapolis, his advice is international. Um, Really enjoyed meeting Jeremy. It seemed like every time I was going to a tech event or a networking event, his company was always represented there. And uh, listening to how he got his start after talking to him a couple times, I'm like, okay, I, I really, really want you to, to reshare that for the episode, uh, for the podcast, because so many, so many pieces of advice uh, within this episode. Um, so pay particular attention to this one. And also just his dedication to really customer service uh, really rang out in this one. So whether you're a teacher, student, entrepreneur yourself, this is one that I think will bring you a lot of value. So let's get right to it. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Started Up Podcast. I'm enjoying this one today because I'm with Jeremy Brown of Nameless Catering. And the thing that I'm loving is we're in person. I'm starting to do this more in person instead of on Zoom. So it's glad to join you in person. Uh, But we are here today because we're trying to get more students in the tech entrepreneurial community. And every time I'd go to a tech or entrepreneurial event, there would be Nameless Catering. So I want to, A, talk about the fact that, you know, you took your entrepreneurial journey and we'll talk about what you've learned from that, but then also get into how you really found this sweet spot in here in Indianapolis and, and, and now beyond. So let's, let's start off with the origin story. You uh, were, let's, how old were you when you started Nameless? Oh, math. Um, <laughs> 27, I believe, 26, 27, something like that. I'd have to look at a calendar and get a calculator out. And what made you want to get into? I didn't. Catering? Well, I so the the catering company wasn't wasn't on purpose. Um, the catering company was a byproduct of a, of a terrible idea, and so um, so we. I had been in catering for a long time. I've been in restaurants since I was fourteen. So um, I started the pizza shop with my cousin as a fun side project, side hustle, make some money. I knew about pizza because I'd worked at a pizza restaurant when I was younger. Yeah. So it was like, hey, let's have a little bit of fun. Let's do this, you know. And then, um, you know, we so we started started doing pizza, 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 pizza. Left my full time job, um, and then um, people all of a sudden were like, hey, can you start bringing pizza? Your pizza's really good. Can you bring pizza to my office? Mm-hmm. Right, sure. You know, how many pizzas do you want? I want ten. Oh, sweet. Okay, cool. You know. So then it was like, hey, can you bring uh, twenty pizzas? Oh, sure. Okay. Uh, can you bring salads also? But but okay. why? I mean, like. And don't just say because the pizza was good. What did you? What, what was? What um, was your thing? Like anybody can bring pizza. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think it's so anyone can bring pizza. Anyone can sell insurance. Anyone can sell houses. Anyone can sell cars. Yep. I think the thing that separates a lot of those those successful people from the other people is the fact that they're willing to do the work that no one else is willing to do. Okay. So they're willing to answer their phone. Yes. You know, and take a call when no one else is willing to do it. <laughs> They're willing to not have a recorded line that goes to, you know, thanks for calling, you know, XYZ Pizza Shop. And, right. you know, press one and wait on hold for 10 minutes while we come and answer your phone. Like, right. it's so I want, I think there's a, there's a level of, you know, with all those industries I just mentioned, real estate, all those things. You know, there are successful real estate people yeah. that, 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 for, that work for, you know, SC Tucker, et cetera. And there are people that don't sell a single house a year. Yeah. Well, the people that generally are successful are people that hustle harder, yep. or work harder, because yep. they want it more. They try harder. So I think for me, you know, um, there was um, there's some locally owned pizza shops here in town that do a great great, great job, mm-hmm. but they weren't really looking at the how to get pizza off site. 
They're right. focused on an in-house experience, which is totally cool. Yeah. My benefit was I didn't have an in-house experience. Uh, no. There was no dining area. There was yeah. no dining room. So therefore, the ex- the only thing I could focus on was out, outside, mm-hmm. out of the house. Right. You know, like there are some really killer pizza restaurants here in town, mm-hmm. but they've got a 7,500 person dining room that they have to constantly be worried about. Yep. They don't want to worry about the, you know, 30 pizzas being ordered it's to them it's a hassle yeah honestly i look at so many fast casual restaurants across the, the spectrum of fast casual restaurants so many fast casual restaurants treat catering as a hassle yes it's a it's a burden for them it's like <laughs> ugh, i gotta open the restaurant and clean and do all this and i gotta deal with this 50 person catering order this is a pain in the ass i don't feel like doing it right and that's a, I, I feel the exact opposite <laughs> yeah no, I enjoy hearing that just because sometimes when some people are like, it can't be that simple. And people are like, yeah, it is. Like, I've got a friend that's a contractor. And he, he I, I'm not going to give his name, but he deliberately is now, like, increasing his bids. Why? Because his simple answer is, I show up on time. Yeah. And if I'm going to be 10 minutes late, I call you. Yeah. And people are like, oh, my gosh. Here's the thing. My contractor calls me 10 minutes in yeah. yeah. So here's the thing. I, I tell, we have uh, delivery contractors that work for us. I, I tell them all the time. I say, look, stuff happens, right? Traffic right. happens, accidents happen, rain, snow, da, 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 da. Okay. Most people, if their lunch starts at 1130, and we know we're going to get there at 1132. Yeah. Most people aren't going to be that upset if you call and say, hey, it's 11, 15, want to let you know your driver is in route. There was a small accident. They had to reroute around. They're going to be there at 1132. Yeah. Oh, great. Hey, no problem. You know, sounds good. Most people, right? right. Um, doesn't happen very often. But it's when you don't call and you just assume, eh, they'll get the food when they get the food. You know, that's not, it's don't play like that. Right. So here you are. You're young. You're now supplying pizza. What's the next evolution? Uh, listening to the customers and, okay. and responding to their demands. We want salads because we want something a little healthier. Okay. Mm. You know, we want we want wrap sandwiches because we want something a little healthier that's not greasy like pizza. Okay. Hey, can you do pasta? Because we'd love to have 10 pizzas and 20 people wear the pasta. Oh, great idea. That sounds like a good idea. You know, and it just kept going and going. Now, all of a sudden, it's, you know, so now um, we don't do pizza anymore um, because pizza, it began to represent 60% of our problems and about 10% of our profit. Oh, wow. So we were like, let's just kill pizza. Right. And so we, we killed it and now we're, we're just back to doing catering. Well, what a huge advantage in the sense that like a restaurant that builds their identity around a certain genre and menu can't do that. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that going, wow, yeah. it, like you could pivot tomorrow. Yeah. So there's a, there's a, there's concept in the market called a dark kitchen concept and right. things like um, cluster truck here in Indy, they're doing a great job doing this. They do, they cluster truck really does the same thing we do. They mm. just do it on a, um, a more personal scale versus a catering scale. Right. You know, it's very difficult to get a hundred meals from cluster truck all at the same time. It's not difficult to get a hundred person taco bar from May. Shout out to Chris Baggett. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we, my, my downtown kitchen, I like literally every day I walk in there is there's cluster truck bags all over the place. Right. So, um, so I, I mean, I love it. I think it's a great idea and I, you know, I think it works well in this market. Um, and the other markets that it's in. Um, sorry, blowing up here. Um, so, um, you know, I think that now, because we're nameless catering, we don't have a name that's like, oh, they're the pasta place, or oh, they're the pizza place, or oh, they're mm-hmm. the soup and salad place, you know? Right. We can literally, I could roll out Asian fusion tomorrow. I could roll out Chinese tomorrow. I can do whatever I want. I'm not even tied geographically. Right. Like, there are some com- companies that, like, have Indianapolis in their name or, or whatever that, you know, like, it's, you know, are you, are you going to be able to go to Louisville and really expand that concept? Right. You know, or you have to do a full rebrand. Right. You know, and for us, it's like nameless catering. I could open in Cuba. It doesn't matter. Sure. You know. So now you're scaling up. You've got you've got a brand now of service of listening to your customers. You're starting to diversify more than pizza. 
like, how did you take it from then to now? As far as like building the brand or? Yeah, well, and just like, you know, like who else came along? What were some of the learning along the way? Because because that, I guess, were the second part I was going to talk about earlier is that all of a sudden you guys were starting to become synonymous with certain genres here in Indianapolis, yeah. especially on the entrepreneurial right. slash tech community. Like how did that happen? Uh, because we we had a lot of people helping us when we were um, in the beginning. Right. Advice, feedback, um, you know, all these different things, bringing sales to us, that kind of thing. You know, people were literally selling for us. You mm-hmm. know, we had people that were like, Jeremy, you know, we believe in you. We believe in what you're doing so much that, like, um, there's uh, Kendria Williams. She's a, mm-hmm. she's a local. Pitch feast. Yeah, pitch feast. Yeah, yeah. Among, among other things. She literally went to the 1150 Academy back when it was still at, off of um, uh, in Carmel there mm-hmm. and fought for us to be the caterer for the 1150 Academy. And all of a sudden, we were the exclusive caterer for Scott Jones's mansion in Carmel. Right. You know, and so... We started seeing, you know, all these people in the ecosystem were kind of helping us, you know, trying to get up off the ground and get built. So we said, okay, well, we're going to help them. You know, we're going to we're going to kick back. You know, and so we started. We we went to Launch Fishers and Launch Indie and Speakeasy and Z Works and all these different co-working spaces. And we said, okay, you know, we're going to just give you this spon- these sponsorship catering dollars. Use it however you want. Use it to build your co-working space. Use it to charge tickets to raise money. Use, I don't care what you do with it. You know, right. and. Um, and so it, it really helped them grow, which then all the companies that were born out of these co-working spaces they, yeah. started like, like Lessonly. Great example, Max Yoder. I mean, we've, for, the, for the past three years, we've catered the Lessonly Christmas party. You know, we've done so many like big events for them because Max had our food, you know, so many times throughout the course of his, his grow, growing his company at Launch Fishers and beyond that, that now is and he's catering with us. So it's like mm-hmm. the evolution of we were young entrepreneurs with no money that didn't know what we were doing. Now we're kicking back and helping other young entrepreneurs, maybe probably know more than what they're doing than we did. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and, then um, and then now they're catering with us as, as we grow. So it kind of builds. And then, you know, people go to the tech events and we're, now we're catering at Salesforce. We're catering at all, you know, Angie's List and all these different companies. Right. No, I, I, I think that's one of the things that we were just in awe of in the sense that in a lot of ways, and I guess even in the brand name, it wasn't necessarily, you weren't building a brand identity around the food you were building it around relationships right. and service correct so was that like by the way when you guys first started off was it called nameless or did you guys it grow was, into it, was, it was nameless pizza company but i mean there was it was nameless pizza company in the beginning and then transitioned to nameless catering we did the rebrand right for us though it was um some of it has happened i won't say that it's happened by like um uh, without effort but there's there's some things that like so like our wedding catering four years ago we did like 20 weddings in, in the year. Right. This year we're into over 350. Right. And that's four years. Okay. And the reason is, is that we started catering to doctor's offices and to, to younger tech companies and things like that with younger people working there. Mm-hmm. Well, these younger people are getting married. These younger people are having kids. Right? <laughs> right. And so we started all of a sudden people are like, Oh, I have them all the time at my office. I really want them for my wedding. You know? And so now it's like, we are like this all of a sudden doing all this wedding catering. And well, so we started doing, you know, 20, 30, 40, all these weddings. And then we started getting really good at it and getting good reviews and people really liked our food. Then, then that kind of just really, you know, snowballed it from there. Uh, hard lessons along the way. I, I remember the first time we talked and you were talking about that you guys were known for a certain price point. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't know if I want to share that. <laughs> okay. So the whole goal has always been to make it easy. Right. It's like really easy. Yeah. Okay. So 
thought process was, let's have easy to understand pricing. Let's make all of our menus the same price. Okay. Turns out <laughs> you shouldn't do that. Right. Because it turns out that providing a barbecue meal with chicken, pork, brisket, three different sides, cornbread, two different salads, drinks, desserts, all the plates, forks, and napkins, and providing it for $9 a person, we were the Michael Scott Paper Company. The more barbecue <laughs> we sold, the less money we made. So yeah. It, um, no, it really it wasn't good. I, I think the other big thing is don't um, – you know, people say, oh, don't worry, don't worry, you're worrying too much. It's not so much about worrying, because I think worrying's a good thing. I think that like, there's a certain level, my wife and I talk about this, there's a certain level of anxiety yeah. that I think all entrepreneurs have to have yeah. in, order, in order to, because yeah. like, you, if you're an entrepreneur, you have to be laying in your bed at night, freaked out sometimes. So Because that gets you ass out of bed. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so that's number one. And then number two is don't, don't fix problems that don't exist. Meaning, oh, okay, so like, I'm no, not saying, uh, yes. so I'm not saying don't worry. That. So I'm not saying don't worry. Because right. like, well, you should worry. As an entrepreneur, you should be worried. You yep. should be worried that your competitors are working harder than you. You should be worried that, that they're going to come steal your business. They should, you should be worried that, you know, oh, crap, did I, did I get the insurance locked in on that building? Because I don't know if I heard back from my insurance agent. Mm-hmm. You should worry about that stuff. Right. But you shouldn't worry about, well, like, what happens if a, a storm comes through and, you know, blows my building over? Well, right. if a storm comes blows your building over, ain't shit you can do about it anyway. Right. You know, what are you going to do? Go out there and, you know, shoot, shoot the tornado? You know, so, like, <laughs> uh, there's, there's some things that, like, don't, don't worry about solving problems that don't exist. Yeah. Because that will actually turn you into an insane person. It's funny you say that. Um, one of the blessings that I, I'm a frugal person. And so one of the hardest decisions was to get a corporate coach because we're running this foundation. Mind you, we're on the nonprofit side, but it has its own set of problems. And um, We were on the nonprofit side for a really long time. <laughs> in fact, we were, yes, probably, the, pricing, we, yes. we were probably the biggest nonprofit pizza shop in the entire I, state of Indiana. I like the analogy of the Michael Scott paper company. No, I, it, it, one of the things that, that working with this coach and, and actually his team was just that, the yin and the yang of our team. Because uh, our other co-founder, Hunter, is such a perfectionist that he is worried about, and I mean this lovingly, but he is worried about the storm that could possibly hit. And he does, doesn't does sleep as well at night. Ironically enough, he's half my age. And then I'm at 47, who is a little bit more on the Buddhist side of everything is as it should be and we'll adjust and we'll get there and don't worry about it. He's like, how can you not worry? And so, and, and, and even our coaches said, thank God he's in your life. And, and he looked at Hunter and he's like, thank God Don's in your life because that balance yep. has been what's everything. I, I, I've, I've had the, you know, I've had the perspective of everything eventually turns out. You know, that Seinfeld episode of Even Steven. Yeah, I'll find $5 in my pocket yeah, somewhere. For sure. And I, there's, but with that, there, I, I always think there's a balance. Yeah. Because you could say, well, I'm not going to worry about that sales call or I'm not going to worry about going out and going to that networking event. Because if, if there's someone at that networking event I'm supposed to meet, I'll meet them at some point. Yep. You can't take it that far. So right. it's always, it's a, everything is always within reason. And that's the hardest part is trying to figure out what is too much. Yeah. What is not enough, you know, like, yeah. and that's the, that's the balance of the entrepreneur side for me is just like constantly thinking about like, should I be home with my wife and daughter right now? Yep. Uh, or man, there's a networking event on Bloomington. Really, I think I should go to it. Can but I go down that road a little bit? Yeah, sure. Because like, it's funny. I'm, oh, I thought you meant literally go to Bloomington. I was like, if, oh, go down there, <laughs> if you want, let's rock. Fine, you know? 
No, the, the, um, so if there's one thing that I try to impress, one of the reasons why we like to work with young entrepreneurs is they don't have to worry about my wife is going to be really ticked. If like, so that hustle and grind when you're 19, oh my gosh, yeah, do it. Let me explain something that if I had, my wife and I went through uh, just under four years of infertility struggles. Uh Um, She had several miscarriages. We did multiple IVF procedures, which in vitro, and it's spent a ton of money. Let me tell you that if she had gotten pregnant when we first started trying, this company probably wouldn't exist. Yeah. And the reason was, would be, and this is hypothetical, I don't know, but um, I don't think that I would have had the wherewithal and the um, strength and the bravery to say, you know what, I'm going to throw it, because I didn't pay myself for a year. Yeah. You know, now granted, my wife was a nurse, so she, I mean, she carried the family, she made good money, been a nurse for a long time, so, um, uh, so I don't think I would have done that, though. I don't think I would have been able to. Yeah. I don't think I could have, I mean, both, I mean, it would just been really hard. So I think you're right. I think that there's an aspect of being young, unmarried, no yep. kids, yep. you know, that kind of thing, you know, that, that is, is a huge benefit. Conversely, I mean, uh, and again, um, kind of running something different, but as a 47-year-old man, who I, ironically enough, my wife's a nurse practitioner, so I've got that sure. to fall back on as well. Um, I, I probably sometimes will make decisions that might be in the long run because they're less risky maybe they're more i don't know again hypothetical well so i think about it like this and i was talking to um oh gosh i was talking to somebody the other day in my opinion if you're going to be an entrepreneur and yeah. you're going to have a significant other whether yeah. that's you know it doesn't, doesn't whether it's dating or right. spousal or however you want to do it, it doesn't matter if the person that is your significant other is not on the same page with you and believing in you and fighting with you yeah then one of two things is going to fail. Uh-huh. Either the relationship is going to fail or the business concept is going to fail. Yep. Because I firmly believe that you have to have, if, if you're out working till 11 o'clock at night trying to hustle to grow your company and you come home and you're significant others, where were you? Why aren't you home? Come watch Netflix with me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a new episode of The Bachelor on, blah, blah, blah. And, and it's like, ah, you would just spend all these hours. So like, you know, when I would be at the speakeasy till one, two o'clock in the morning in Broderpool, you know, mainly because they had free beer and um, I would, you know, get home at two, two thirty, three o'clock in the morning and I'd crawl into bed and my wife would be asleep. You know, she'd give me a kiss and then the next morning I'd get up, you know, at six, seven in the morning right. and she'd still be asleep. And it's not because she's lazy, but she's a normal person. Right. <laughs> so, so, um, uh, and I would uh, get back up. I mean, I would literally see her asleep for three or four days straight and that's the only time I'd see her. Yeah. And, and, it, but she didn't, she, she was like, Hey, love what you're doing. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. She drive downtown to come to the pizza shop. She'd literally just sit in the pizza shop and watch us make pizzas yeah. because she just wanted to be around, uh, yep. you know? And I think that's an important thing to have. It is. And that's why I, I just wanted to pause there and, and, and like expand on that a little bit just because I, 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 in doing this show, a lot of the side conversations I get with people, a lot of times they'll say, man, Don, if you can get them, if you can get more young people to focus in on this, take those risks now. I mean, not just for the financial, but also for the the possible, you know, relationship side of it as well. So I'm glad you went over that. Um, the now growing out, um, obviously, you're, you're, you said you like your name uh, is that of which is not necessarily tied to a geographic location. What are some of the plans you have moving forward? 
Um, so for right now, it's uh, we're continuing down the path of optimization. So figuring out how to do the same level of business now, but you know, doing it more efficient, and um, you know, or it's the same plus more, and mm-hmm. just doing it more efficiently, um, and then looking for mirror markets. So you know, Indianapolis, we look at you know what are the things that make Indianapolis great from a business perspective. Yep. There's very little traffic. Reason, within reason, you know, compared compared to to New York, right? right, right. Um, so there's very little traffic. We've got a great highway system as far as 70, 74 really crosses of America, right? So right. 70, 74, 65, 465, all that. Um, decent household income, you know, uh, d- decently dense population. You know, it's not insanely dense, but it's dense enough. So what are markets that look like that? So or is it uh, Sarasota? Is it Louisville? Is it Dallas? Is it Washington D.C.? You know, they're not going to share every attribute, but which one to share the most? And then you know, going into those markets, and from a business proof side, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, well, Jeremy was successful in Indianapolis because Jeremy lived in Indianapolis for you know, 15, 18 years, whatever it's been. Okay, well, how come he has a successful concept down in Sarasota because he's never even been to Sarasota? Mm-hmm. You know, and so. Um, that's that's kind of the next step is you know we've proved the concept here in Indianapolis, but now can we prove it in other parts of the country um, to show that no this this is a solid business model that didn't just rely on you know uh, some sort of reputation or whatever because it didn't but somebody you know you could say well he was born and raised in Indiana started a business in Indiana so he's successful in Indiana. Well, I wasn't born and raised in Sarasota or ta- Dallas or any of those other places. I love Dallas, but I wasn't raised there. So, uh, you know, going and doing that's I think that's probably, well, I shouldn't say think, that that is really our next step in progression, as, as well as continued expansion in Indiana. You know, we right. want to get up to, you know, Maryville and, you know, down to, you know, Terre Haute Market, Evans, Evansville, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, also, are you looking at some kind of similar blueprint? And, and maybe I, I've got it wrong, but I, I just see you as so many, again, that tech community mm-hmm. are you also looking for cities that have like that up-and-coming entrepreneurial tech it's, feel it's that's almost impossible not to find though yeah you no know, oh, wow i mean i did name no name that's true yeah you know, like i mean yeah you know pittsburgh I columbus yeah, nashville I yeah i mean even dallas you know like yeah. one, of, one of our um we've got two um minority shareholders in the company that started with us from the beginning to help us get going and uh one of his names evan is one of them and he lives down in dallas he works in the financial and uh, actually i really have no idea what he does but he's just something with money um <laughs> and uh, he'll probably laugh when he hears that because i don't think even he knows what he does but um but it's legal and that's important um and so <laughs> Full you know it, yeah uh so we uh when i go down to dallas i mean like there's there's all kinds of tech stuff down there and he's constantly like dude when are we open in dallas when are we open in dallas when are we open i'm like just pump the brakes pump the brakes. we'll get there we'll get there because there, every city has that every city has that mostly every city has some sort of tech aspect to it yeah as far as a large city love san antonio by the way throwing that I've, out there i have been to san antonio for other reasons as well i love definitely but i, I do I like san antonio torchy's tacos yeah, oh my gosh have yes. you been to condado yes i actually have i just was at condado i actually lunch. took a ton of students with us we worked with the city leaders of san antonio it's fantastic and it reminds me ironically a lot of indianapolis yeah they are next door to a bigger city mm-hmm. that they'll admit is the by some people's opinions is the cooler city gosh okay. is austin sure we, we're a little too close to chicago sure but they're chippy and they're they've got a lot of that airport, young airport needs some help it's it's <laughs> Okay, we're not here to bash San Antonio. <laughs> no, I like I it otherwise. I love both, but, but no, I, compared but I to the Indianapolis agree. Airport, the best airport no, in the country. No, dude, actually, yeah. If we're gonna flex on the state really quick, yeah, I mean, Indianapolis, Indianapolis Airport's airport. really easy and really clean and really nice. Yeah. 
but no, I, 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 I don't know. I've got a newfound love affair with that city and uh, it just reminds me so much of Indy in a lot of yeah. ways. Um, but yeah, I, I assume that some of the places you're looking at probably had the, the same blueprint because, man, it's funny. Every time I look at an Eventbrite or the, the, the things that would fit our students' needs or the, the startup community needs or the tech startup needs, I see nameless cater every time. Sure. So you have cornered the market. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast, because, yeah, I mean, we could have taken a lot of different business genres and the advice you give and is going to be pretty similar. Um, you know, recap, provide value, listen to your customers, listen to your customers and find ways to provide new value. Um, organic growth, word of mouth, boom. And, and, and it's just, just and just don't worry yourself to sleep, you know. I mean, <laughs> and, worry, and worry be, enough to worry enough to be dangerous. Yeah. But don't but don't worry so much about problems that literally don't exist. Yeah, that spoke to me. You a lot. Can, well, when you create, there's a. Um, I work with um, a guy named Brian Kavicki. He is the uh, VP of Evolution and Associates. Yeah. Um, sales sales training, business leadership, yep. that kind of thing. And I, I'll call him sometimes and. Have, Sometimes, occasionally, still, but uh, I used to call him a lot back in the day and say, "Man, I got this problem, this problem, this problem. If this happens, this happens. If this happens, this happens, this happens." And he's like, "He's like, okay, well, none of that's gonna happen. Talk to you later." And I'm like, <laughs> "Damn it!" But what if it does? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so, but yeah. he, so he was, so I mean, I remember he used to tell me, he'd say, "Okay, so you, so the entire company goes in the shitter and you lose everything." And he's like, "So let's say you lose your house and you lose all your cars, and so I assume your wife leaves you, right?" Well, no, my wife wouldn't leave me. Oh, okay, so you'd still have your wife, but your parents, they wouldn't let you live in their big house with you. Well, they probably would. Oh, so you'd have somewhere to live and you still have a wife. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you would never would be able to get another job. I mean, no one's ever going to hire you in this city because you had a failed business, right? Well, no, I could probably find a job. Oh, so you'd What is it still, you're worried about Yeah, now? so you still have your wife. You still have somewhere to live. You still have a job. So, and that's... If the worst possible thing happens... Yeah. So, like, and he when he broke it down like that, I was like... All right, well, I gotta go then. <laughs> Thanks for taking away all my fear, buddy. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, it's some degree. I remember um, Tim Ferriss, or is it no Ryan Holiday, okay. that wrote about the Stoics, and so Ryan Holiday, once a year, lives his worst possible scenario. Like, like, what's the worst that can happen to me? I'd lose my. <laughs> so he'll kind of be homeless esque. Okay. And he'll live for a week, on his worst case scenario, and he's like, it's not that bad. And so I kind of lost his fear of like, okay, what's the next, what's the next big thing I can start, and what's the worst thing that can happen, and and I, I like his worst case scenario now is even you know less and less because he keeps building upon success. But it's similar to what you're talking about, you, if you, you actually live that, I mean, I'm not suggesting that you're like, hey, wife, leave me for a week. Yeah, well, no, or like, hey, can I live a crash in your basement? Absolutely. Mom? But uh, do you want to know how weird I am? I already have a feeling, but guess go ahead. <laughs> so I. Uh... I was at a, there was a catering convention in New Orleans. I love New Orleans. So I rented an Airbnb in New Orleans. And if you've been to New Orleans, which you probably have, you know, um, all the houses or whatever, they have um, uh, patios, like the balconies, mm -hmm. throw stuff off, right? I was there by myself. I was only there for like two or three days. And I was like, I wonder what it would be like to sleep out in the noise of New Orleans. Because I'm a big noise person. I love noise. I love constant, you know, just, just like my, I constantly have music going at my house. And I constantly have like DJ lights in my garage because I'm weird. Okay. So <laughs> I, uh, I was in my Airbnb and I got a blanket and I got a pillow. Yeah. And I literally slept out on the patio yeah. of this Airbnb just to experience it. I woke up at like three in the morning. I was like, all right, well, this was fun. I just went back inside. But it was, it was, it was kind of interesting to just kind of like just have a different, even sleeping experience and just, 
you know, when you think about like what the worst case scenario is like, if, if, I mean, I wouldn't want to sleep on the streets, but it's like, that was just kind of a unique thing to, I don't know, feel or experience. It was, it was just kind of weird. And that I'm also just really freaking weird. So. I mean, <laughs> you like those new experiences it taking it all in. I know it's, uh, I get that. I, I, as one of the things as a kid, I was blessed to have traveled a lot and okay. I love experiences. I like, that's one thing I will say. My mom and so my mom didn't work. She stayed at home. Mom, my dad was a teacher. So mine was a little tight. But the only thing that they truly invested in was our experiences. Okay. I went to darn near all 50 states as a kid. Wow. Mind you, out of a pickup truck and a uh, pop-up trailer. Okay. But man, life experiences. So sure. I dig that. And I will always be appreciative of my parents for providing that. Uh, this has been insightful. I, I enjoyed uh, the lessons that you've learned. Should somebody want to talk to you, seek advice, learn about DJ lights in your garage. Where should they find you? Should LinkedIn? You a LinkedIn guy? I am a LinkedIn guy. I don't do it a ton. Uh, if you go to welcome to catering.com, mm-hmm. I actually bought that URL a long time ago, like a long time ago. And then I'm um, linked to my LinkedIn. So if you go to welcome to catering.com, that's my LinkedIn profile. That's kinda kinda, cool. Yeah. It's kind of random. Awesome. Well, Jeremy, I appreciate you spending some time with us and dropping some uh, wisdom and continued success. Appreciate it, brother.